0: Welcome to Spotlight Conversations with voice talent and DJ Donna Reed. Donna talks music and media from her sunny linoleum-free studio. Come
1: on in. Hello, another edition of Spotlight Conversations where I talk to people in music and in media. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for commenting. Thank you for being a part of this studio experiment which is almost coming up on a year, hard to believe. Thank you so much for listening. And also, if you want to find out more about some of the work I do, go to spotcom.com. That's S-P-O-T-C-O-M-M.com. I've started a blog. There's some voiceover tips. I I work as a voice talent, Um, and eventually we're going to have even more things on there, so stay tuned. Today, I am in San Marcos, Texas. Let me tell you, it is a hotbed of music activity. It's right outside of Austin. Bill Whitbeck is my guest today. He is a longtime player, bass player, for the Robert Earl Keen Band, and just so glad to have him in the studio today.
0: Oh, thanks for having me. This is uh, going to be fun.
1: Let's just fill in San Marcos, Texas.
0: Ah, uh, it's about halfway between Austin and San Antonio.
1: Beautiful place.
0: Um, hill country and you know, a beautiful. The San Marcos River runs right through it, which is the
1: best, the best place to swim to me in the world.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a good town. College town. Texas State University is here.
1: Now, you're a bass player and, uh, for Robert Earl Keane. How did that happen? In Texas? Or were you on the road? Or did you happen to see him somewhere and said, hey, you need a bass player? And I'm it? How did that start?
0: Uh, well, uh, let's see. We we had a bunch of mutual friends. Uh, his uh, longtime childhood friend Brian Duckworth, who's uh, who was his fiddle player at the time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I had been friends with him for years. And uh, they they were looking for a new bass player and auditioned a bunch of guys and thankfully uh, Duckworth uh, stuck my name in the hat there and uh, met up with Robert at a little music store in New Braunfels and auditioned and that was it got hired.
1: And when was this?
0: Uh, Ninety five.
1: What was it like <laughs> touring with him at the beginning?
0: Oh my gosh, uh, it was really really amazing. Uh, so I had been playing in dance hall bands for twenty years. I was 39 when I joined Robert's band and I didn't know anything about him or his music Mm -hmm. and had no idea that he had gotten sort of popular with, uh, especially like the college crowd. I mean, this is a long time ago, but, uh, Mm -hmm. the first gig I played with him, we played two shows in, in college station. I wasn't prepared for a thousand people just screaming and singing along. (laughs) And it was amazing and out of control. And, uh, wild and and after i mean i like you know i played dance music forever and it's not that you're ignored doing that because you're serving a function and you're playing four-hour gigs I, I and i wanted to play with an artist with somebody that had their own songs but to uh to step into that without being aware of it was really amazing and exciting and uh i loved it i mean it was you know there for about four the first four years i was in the band it was pretty wild and uh uh, but I miss—I miss, I sort of missed some of that, <laughs> that well, because how, people were so excited.
1: How would you categorize his music?
0: Texas singer-songwriter is an easy sort of label. Uh, I just—I just think he's a great songwriter. You yes. know, I mean, there's yeah. there's folk elements, mm-hmm. certainly bluegrass elements, Americana, uh, maybe. Yeah, sure, sure. You know, I mean, he was predates. <laughs> the term Americana, sort of, you know. Um I don't I don't know. He uh, he was a real uh, so his music's sort of a synthesis of a lot of things, I think. And uh his great love for, you know, the people sort of right before him, like Towns yeah. and uh oh,
1: yeah.
0: Willis Allen Ramsey yep. and those guys, you know. Uh so yeah, when I when I sat down with Robert to audition we just hit it off. We're the same age and we both, I grew up in La Porte, Texas, outside of Houston. But right. it just uh it just seemed to fit. And here I am, 26 years later. It's hard to believe.
1: And you've not only been on stage with him, but also John Lee Hooker and George Strait. Tell me about those gigs. And when was that? Ah. Before John? Where, where did you
0: see that about John Lee Hooker? Oh, I
1: did. To I did my homework. I'm one of those yeah. people that digs around. Yes, I found out.
0: No, no, The first part with John Lee Hooker, I got to play with him and it wasn't on a stage. He was a uh, uh there for a while there was a music store in San Marcos called Pickers Paradise right on the square mm-hmm. and i i got to be friends with Ronnie Johnson who was like 16 or something at the time a bass player out of Austin plays with McMurtry and stuff his, his uncle owned the store and i just wandered in there one day i was i just moved up here and i was like 19 or 20 and he said hey John Lee Hooker's coming in to do a like an in store for you know some kind of appearance and so he walks in and I, I knew of him. I, I, I know a lot more about him now. I didn't know a lot about him, but he had a young dude with him playing guitar. And I just said, hey, can I play bass with you guys? And, and the guy mm. said, yeah, sure. And uh, I later learned uh, that I didn't know then that so many of his songs are one chord. That's <laughs> so right. So, like the guitar player says to me, we're going to play Stormy Monday Just stay in E. And I think he means it's in E. And I start to go up to the A <laughs> chord. And he goes, no, no, it's just an E. And so... I got to play like five or six songs on one chord. It was the ultimate in jamming. So, I mean, so that I don't consider that being on stage. I also got to jam with Steve Marriott. Okay. Humbled Pie. Yes. And that was really fun. Where uh, was that? At That was at a little tiny bar in San Marcos called the Cheyenne Social Club.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Uh, a, cu- a country bar. And the Ace and the whole band guys played there. We played there. And it was like a Wednesday night and people actually danced back then, but they danced in this place. And, uh, we had, I think we had just given last call. And, uh, my friend that that ran Sundance records here, Bobby Bernard, uh, walks in and with a guy that's obviously like a British rock and roll star. The guy's about five, four and has that rooster haircut and Uh stuff. I'm going, wow, this is a weird sight at the shine social club in San Marcos. And, uh, Bobby comes up after we finish the song, goes, hey, can Steve Marriott sit in with you guys? And we went, yeah, sure, you know? And uh, I had seen Humble Pie a couple of times, so I'm trying to think, what songs of his do I really know? And I, at that time, I didn't know the stuff with the faces, but uh, I, he walks up and I said, what are we gonna play? And he goes, we're gonna play Hank Williams songs. And he did like five Hank Williams songs. Really? Because that was uh, the first music he loved as a little kid. He loved Hank Williams.
1: Didn't do 30 Days and in the he, uh, Hole, huh? That wasn't a...
0: Didn't do 30 Days in the Hole? That was like the one I could remember. <laughs> Me too. Um, no, and it was cool. And I asked him one. He said when, I, when he was a kid and they bought a record player, his dad gave him a dollar or whatever. And uh, the, the sort of current popular records were, were one dollar. And the, there, were other one, there were other ones that were two for a dollar. And he went, well, I want two instead of one. And it turns out they were Hank Williams records. Wow. 45s.
1: I know you're modest about John Lee Hooker, but also, you have to tell me about George Strait.
0: I did. Yeah, that was like a legit gig. Um, it's one of my favorite things in my life was uh, when I moved here in 76. I played with uh, Joe Bob's Bar and Grill Band was the name of our band. And uh, I was new to playing like straight up real country. Uh, guys I had played with in Laporte did that first wave of Jerry Jeff, Michael Murphy, Mm -hmm. B.W. Stevenson. Mm -hmm. So there was, you know, obviously country stuff going on, but I hadn't played Merle Haggard or George Jones. And uh, so I, I had been up here. I moved here in July of 76. And about a month later, our band did a gig with this other little band called the Ace and the Hole Band. Got to be buddies with those guys right off the bat. And, you know, we'd be at Cheatham Street on Wednesday and they'd be there on Thursday and then, They'd be out of Green Hall. We were the first bands to play Green Hall at all when it Mm -hmm. reopened. Just heard George sing a million times. As as I was learning about country music, I would go see him singing Ray Price and Johnny Bush and Merle Haggard and Bob Wills. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was just amazing. And then it was so exciting when he uh, got signed and became a star. And so I knew I met him in '76, and he signed I think in '81. Mm-hmm. I could be a little off about that. So okay. that's just you know four or five years, and they they had been getting doing better as a dance hall band, but still they were just a dance hall band. And uh, I walked into Herbert's Taco Hut one day, and George was sitting there with uh, Tommy Foote, uh, who's his road manager, but was the drummer at the time. And I said, Hey, what are you guys doing? And George says, Oh man, I got back from Nashville. I signed a record deal. I said, "What? Get out of here!" And he's like, "Oh yeah, nothing'll probably happen, you know." And uh, <laughs> the rest was history, and, and it happened so quickly. Uh, so you know, it took months and months and months. And there was a, a dance hall in New Braunfels called the Crystal Chandelier that we would all play. If you packed a thousand people in there, maybe. And uh, you know, we played there on a Friday or Saturday. would Be hundred people. George and them would play there. Be hundred people. And then at one, then the first single came out. And a few weeks later, they played out there, and I was there, and there were, there were like 500 people there. And we're like, wow, that's amazing. And a month later, they played there, and they turned away 2,000 people.
1: <laughs> What's your favorite place? Where is your favorite place to gig at when you're in uh, San Marcos?
0: Oh, and, well, Green Hall, of course. Mm-hmm. Is, I've been playing there forever, always uh, fun. Uh, and, you know, and Cheatham Street is still hanging in here in San Marcos, where I just spent way too much time and as a as a young guy i don't know uh i like uh i'm trying to think where else to play around here i like playing whitewater it's pretty yeah, fun right uh i like playing the moody theater in austin is pretty awesome where they do the austin city limits uh you know the majestic theater san antonio uh, there's a lot
1: of there's them. so many uh, you grew up in laporte did you always want to be a yeah. bass player
0: i never thought about music much i mean other than the, the only good thing about being my age is is I <clears throat> I was seven when the Beatles came out and that was everything to me mm-hmm. and uh, and still to this day every day but I didn't think about playing music until uh, thank God for the you know music in school uh, at the end of fifth grade we all in LaForte, Texas all over Texas uh, took like a music aptitude test and mm-hmm. which you know just out of the blue one day okay go in this room and take this test and. and and i did really good on good at it and it was like the first time people went wow that's really great you really did good and so mm-hmm. i i uh decided to play the trombone and just absolutely loved it so much it was the first time i ever felt like i knew what i was doing and and so then between like seventh and eighth grade all my buddies were uh started to play guitars and I would mess with their guitars, and it didn't make much sense to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, one, one day my friend Colin was playing a guitar, and I went, "Oh, I know what a bass does, because the trombone's a bass instrument, That's you know?" Right. And I was like, "Oh, I'm going to get a bass." And my wonderful parents, <laughs> he probably the next day bought me a cheap but decent bass, and, uh, eh, that was it, you know:
1: Do you write songs too, or have you written songs recently?
0: I, I didn't start that till kind of later, really, but mm-hmm. uh, I've most often co-written with people. Um, I think my favorite stuff like that is, uh, there was a band called The Green Card. My buddy's uh, from Australia, and, and Kim Warner, the mandolin player of that band, is in our band, in the Robert Earl Keane band now. But uh, when they formed that band, The Green Cards, we wrote most of three records, I guess, him and me, and sometimes him and me and Carol Young, the great singer. Before that, I wrote a bunch with this young guy, Rodney Hayden. Uh, I've written with Robert, recorded some things that I wrote with Robert, and then just just write my own stuff and go play it at little places around San Marcos, you know?
1: Sometimes I ask songwriters, what's your inspiration for writing a song? Do you do the lyrics first? Do you do the, uh, the music first? Which is your style?
0: It, it could be any kind of a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes just a... Uh, a phrase or something, maybe will sound like a song. We did a project with with Robert that we call a uh, Western Chill. It was so great uh, over the pandemic, he kind of converted this barn on his ranch into a studio. And we nice. did this video project of all new material. And he was nice enough. And I thought it was a cool idea. I do a couple of my songs and our fiddle player, Brian Bacon, does a couple of his songs. And then there's like seven new Robert Earl Keen songs on it. And so, oh, my point was I did a song on there called the blue light. And it's about a, a a girl, a singer in Texas that drives around and plays music in clubs, you know? And, uh, uh, I have a friend, Carson McCone, who's an artist in Austin. And she, she would on Instagram, just put these pictures of her boots, like a Polaroid picture <laughs> of these funky beat up boots. And the first line of the song, just I changed it. Instead of saying her name, Carson, I said Janie, but I just went, Janie pulls her boots on. And anyway, that was that was the first line. And I just sat there and wrote the whole thing out. I don't know, sometimes you just a, a phrasal, you know, get your, your ear. I'm, yeah. And re- really great songwriters that antenna is always up and always <laughs> right. functioning i think you know um
1: you're always thinking
0: yeah and 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 i mean like robert is it's just so amazing to write with him and just see his his how he writes i mean people like him or i don't know i'm making this up a little bit guy clark or whatever mhm just interesting things happen to those people somehow, mm-hmm. you know what I mean mm-hmm. and they're and they're aware of it and tuned into the oh, that could be like a song, but it just seems like they're somehow open to different experiences somehow
1: now, as Robert Earl Keane and yourselves, is there a new c d coming together? This is I guess kind of we're getting out of the pandemic, so it gives everyone an opportunity yeah. to you know get in the studio yeah. and and write stuff and when would something come out, a new c d
0: well, you know, I'm not really sure this western chill deal uh i think is going to be available to watch you know some kind of way and so i hope that happens and we're actually going back to work a little bit and you know we've played some over the last few months we've played here and there and uh so we're heading out on the road again at some
1: point i saw a name of a cd you put together radio caroline am i right yes Tell me about uh, that. Yeah. yeah, I did my digging. I did my research. Uh,
0: my son is, is a musician. He goes by David Beck. And uh, he was like 17, I guess, or 18 or something, and uh, always played music and always in, had some kind of little recording device. And he just, for like a present, he, he just wanted to produce a record. He kept saying it. I want to make a record for somebody. And I, as a gift, I said, okay, make a record on me. And so uh, we uh, it was, you know, this funky little house he was living at with some gear and uh, I played stuff. David kind of plays everything. But and then a friend of his who played drums. It's the work of uh, a first time record maker who's young, but uh, it's all right. You know, there's a few good songs on it.
1: There's another band he has called Sons of Fathers. Is that right?
0: Well, that was that. Yeah, that band broke up. That was an amazing band, Uh, and they wrote some great songs. Then he had a really cool sort of a pop band called uh, Blue Healer for a while. But now uh, the band, and he's always doing, he produces all the time, but uh, he has a David Beck's Tejano Weekend. He became obsessed with Tejano music a few years ago. wrote this amazing batch of songs that are, he sings in English, but there's, it's straight up sounds like a Selena record from 1984 or whatever. And uh, really a great band, great accordion player. And uh, so uh, a <clears throat> pretty unique kind of a thing, but they play and stuff and they gig and fixing to put out their second record. They ha- The first one is called uh, David Beck's Tejano Weekend Volume One. You know, you can just find that and uh, just really creative stuff and really nice songs. Yeah,
1: yeah, We're talking to Bill Whitbeck, who's the bass player for the Robert Earl Keene Band. Um, also wanted to ask you about Austin City Limits. There's a tie-in between you and that very famous place.
0: Well, I was lucky enough with Robert, got to be on it well, I think three times for sure just as, as us you know the bit Robert Earl Keane deal mm-hmm. and then they started this Hall of Fame Austin City Limits Hall of Fame and so mm-hmm. typically what happens is there's a house band that backs up you know the people that are being inducted and, and the their guests or whatever people there that are, they're gonna attribute to them and uh, so anyway uh, Lloyd Maines runs that house band and for some reason he, he's asked me to do it and it's incredible. It's the band. Typically, is uh, me on bass, Tom Van Skyke, the Robert Keen drummer, my mm-hmm. buddy, Lloyd on steel or guitar or whatever is needed. Chris Gage, great keyboard player. Mm-hmm. He also plays mm-hmm. anything, and then David Grissom. So you know, boom,
1: boom, put yeah.
0: Grissom up there, and you're good. You know, I mean, it's gonna it's gonna rock. And uh, so I've done three of those, I believe. Uh, and uh, I this I actually sort of made a note because I uh, kept forgetting they were inducting Roseanne Cash. We're playing with Roseanne, Elvis Costello, Ry Cooter, and Nico Case <sighs> oh, uh, doing Seven Year Ache." Oh, and, and uh, oh. that was great unbelievable. song, unbelievable, unbelievable. And and you know, and Roseanne was singing Seven Year Ache." Nico Case sang a Roseanne Cash song. We okay. backed her up. El, Elvis sang this amazing song that he wrote with Christofferson and Roseanne Cash and
1: I, I think Elvis Costello is so surprising. People just think he fits mm. into a certain genre and then he goes off into something very different and you're like, Yeah.
0: Oh yeah. Well he's always had a strong country deal, yeah. I mean for, yeah. you know, a long time. But uh boy, just to just to be standing there. And then also that year they inducted Roy Orbison mm. and uh so uh, Chris Isaac was the host that year, and mm-hmm. he did, uh, I guess he did Pretty Woman, you know, of the Mavericks, Raul Malo did mm-hmm, one of those okay. huge operatic Orbison songs, It's Over, or one of those, and mm-hmm, just okay. blew the roof off. And then I sadly, at the time, didn't really know anything about Brandy Carlisle. Boy, she came out and did another one of those. Maybe she did It's Over. Uh, just incredible. Un- unbelievable performance. We probably played the whole song twice at rehearsal, and then she comes out and nails it like that just unbelievable powerful they inducted bb king bonnie Raitt, and chris christopherson so got to play with gary clark jr and part of the bb king deal played behind bonnie Raitt, that was unbelievable yeah, and yeah. at one point with mavis staples and taj mahal singing too
1: oh well you're a great yeah, you're a great ridiculous. bass player it's luck too. Uh, I think when people just are good and they keep themselves in that environment and you're always thinking of music it's just a part of who you are mm -hmm, and obviously mm -hmm. that that kind of lends itself to. So what's in the future for you personally before we talk about tours with Robert Earl Keane? What are you thinking about doing?
0: Well I don't know I'm always trying to write stuff and and I'm really lazy about uh, putting stuff out I recorded a bunch of songs with my son like full recordings and I just I don't know. I hesitate putting it out. I don't know what that is about me, but uh, I really love co-writing so much. I just recently mm. written some with Cody Braun of Reckless Kelly, and that's been okay. really fun.
1: Oh, nice. And I think
0: we got a couple of cool things working, and we've been buddies with them forever, and uh, it, it's been so amazing uh, as bad as l- last year was. A lot of really great things happened in our band, I felt like. And we all feel very kind of energized and want to
1: Get back out there. Get, a lot,
0: get back out there and get better. Like, let's get even, let's try to get really good or whatever. Anybody, you know, that hears this could look on Robert's website or whatever. I should know where we're going. But I like, I sort of love just uh, that I get on the bus and that's it. That's all. I, if I've got my base, I'm I'm good. I don't think much about where we're going. You but,
1: know, but, but you are planning to do that. And that's the best news we've yeah. heard in a long time. Just the fact that you're getting on the bus everybody is right. I mean,
0: Oh, I've never, you know, none of us, nobody I know has gone this long in their whole life without playing music. I mean, in in front of people, it's, it's not the same playing around the house. You know, um, I, I think my longest stretch was maybe maybe two weeks in my whole life since I was like 16. (laughs) So it's been very weird and to get up and play is it's just like, Oh yeah. Yeah. I really do like doing this. And, uh, yeah i I can't just can't wait and we're in oh i just found out yesterday that uh all these dates are with our buddy uh waylon Payne is opening all the shows
1: oh very and, uh,
0: nice he is so good and yeah. uh he's, he's done a bunch of shows with us and just super fun to hang out with and uh into uh, a real pro and stuff you know
1: well everybody's waiting to get out on tour everybody's waiting for summer concerts yeah. so bill whitbeck Thank you for joining me today on Spotlight Conversations. I've loved talking to you and I love San Marcos. So thank you. Oh, thank you
0: so much for having me. I appreciate it. You've been listening to Spotlight Conversations with Donna Reed. Subscribe on Apple and Spotify podcasts or your favorite platform. Thanks for tuning in.